like she said, my name is Lori. I'm one of the pastors here at E3. And I want to welcome you to week eight of this series that we have been in called 12 Words. Um, this is, Pastor Eric has said, has set this up as these words are essentials of our faith, right? They are, he has even described them as movements through our spiritual journey. And it's, it has gone around the central text from John 10, which is going to be up on the screens, that essentially talks about God's purpose for us is to have a rich and satisfying life, that he's come so that we could have life to the full is another translation. And Pastor Eric has said that community is kind of the lab where we test out these essentials, these basic movements and so if you've missed any of the previous messages, I would encourage you to go back and check us out on Vimeo or podcast. The series has been very powerful for many of you in this community. We've had conversations with you. It's, been, it's resonated. Every week has resonated with different folks for different reasons, and that's been true for me. I hope this week is like that too. Um, to recap, and I, and I also invite you to go around and check out the cool posters that we have been building around the room. Surely you have noticed that. Um, I don't know. I have a good perspective from the stage, so if you haven't noticed it, start over here. Um, we started week one with the word powerless. And how we had to, at the very foundation, we had to acknowledge that we are powerless, right? That points, our, points us to uh, the next few words, hope and trust. If we're powerless, we've got to have hope and trust in something. And that something is God. That he is with us. And this is the foundation of our spiritual journey, of our faith. Then Pastor Eric talked to us about self-honesty, where um, I heard he set up a little garage sale up here on the stage. I wasn't here that week, but I listened to the podcast, which I think it would have, better, it would have been better if I had saw, seen the Vimeo, because I would have seen the visuals instead of him describing them. But it was an opportunity for us to take a look in our lives and name the junk, right? Name the junk that we've been carrying around. And then after that, Pastor Mark taught us about confession. So when we recognize that we have junk in our lives, we need to admit that to God, right? We need to confess those things, those areas of sin. And then we need to be able to release them. We need to be able to release those sins so that we can do the work that God has called us to do. So releasing leads up to, excuse me, then the next week was dependence. I don't want to forget that. Last week was super powerful. We have to, again, pointing back to God, we have to depend on him for us to be able to do all of these hard things that we've been talking about. And he even, Pastor Eric mentioned um, that the idea of, and the concept of guides, right, and navigators that God puts in our life. People, hopefully, for some of you in this community, you have found a guide here that can walk along. Maybe they're just a little bit further ahead of you on their faith journey. And they, so they've walked some of the steps that you've walked just ahead of you. And so they can help guide you through this journey. That's going to be a significant thing as we get into this week's word, because this week's word is forgiveness. And if you're like me, I'm surprised that you didn't groan, the nine o'clock groaned right out of the gate when as soon as I said it, you had a little time to look at it and take it in, so it wasn't quite so shocking. But when I found out that this was the week I was teaching, I groaned, because forgiveness is not easy. Now, I should also, in fairness, tell you that there was a part of it that I was like, well, I guess I know what I'm talking about because I know a lot about asking for forgiveness. <laughs> but that's not all we're going to talk about. We're not only going to talk about 
um, asking for forgiveness, we're going to take a look at what forgiveness, true forgiveness is and what it isn't. We're going to talk about the process of asking for forgiveness and the process of forgiving. And we're going to push a little hard on the process of, of forgiving others. To find out what um, forgiveness is, we're going to go to Scripture because that's the source for how we should find out about hard things in our life, right? So I would invite you guys to open up your Bibles, if you have them, to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to read from verses 21 through 35, and the words are going to be on the screen. Listen as I read this. This is a parable that um, we should pr probably all be familiar with. It's the parable of the unforgiving debtor. Listen to these words. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned, to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me, and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That is what my heavenly father will do to you if you for refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. I'm going to invite you guys to um, pray with me. God, this isn't an easy word. This isn't an easy journey. So God, I just am grateful that you are here with us in it always and even now as we hear hard things and deal with junk that's in our lives. God, we ask for your protection. We thank you that you have forgiven us. We ask that you would open up our eyes and our ears and that you would soften our hearts, God, to what it is you want us to learn on this journey today. We love you so much and we trust you for this. And we pray this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're going to talk about what forgiveness is and what it isn't. I already said that. So what is forgiveness? Well, again, we're going to go to Scripture. I'd like to invite you to turn over to Colossians chapter 3, uh, verse 13. This, these are Paul's words. He says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. A couple pages back, this is Paul again in Ephesians 
Chapter 4, verse 32. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So forgiveness is an act of obedience. These aren't the only places in the Bible that this says this. I want you to notice in these two scriptures that it talks specifically about the fact that we have been forgiven. Also, when it talks about us forgiving others, it also says you have been forgiven. So forgiveness, forgiving others, is an act of obedience. It's also an expression of love. I'm going to turn over to 1 Corinthians and read some verses that you guys, if you've been to very many weddings, you have heard this scripture many times. So forgiveness as an expression of love, this is what love is. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, love never loses faith, and is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Every circumstance means every circumstance, even hard things. Love endures, and it keeps no record of being wronged. So if forgiveness is an act of obedience, which we've seen in Scripture, and forgiveness is a way for us to love each other, as we've seen in Scripture, Let's talk about what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not empty I'm sorry's. Does anybody know what I mean when I say that? If you know me at all, you know I'm a living example of that. It's not, it's not that I try to have my I'm sorry's be empty. It's that I'm an over I'm sorrier. I say it all the time as if every inconvenience that any of you feel is all my fault. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I could tell you stories, and surely people in this community would be happy to tell you stories of all the times. I have been just completely drugged up waiting for surgery in moaning and groaning in pain and apologizing to everyone in the room as if it was my fault. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Well, here's what I learned about that. God has been dealing with this in my life for a long time because I have struggled with this for a long time. When I say I'm sorry, that has more to do with my insecurities and my nature to be a people pleaser. That's not forgiveness. I'm not humbly asking Jamie to forgive me because I'm in pain and and I'm sorry that I'm inconveniencing you over that. Please forgive me. Obviously, that's not what we're going to be talking about today. So it's not empty words. It's also, we said in Scripture, it's not keeping an account of someone's wrongs. Forgiveness is truly forgiving them and releasing it. And here's an important thing that I want you to also know. It's not meant to add to or take away from the work that was completed by Christ on the cross. Your forgiveness the things you've been forgiven of by God is complete and full. We are not called to forgive others so that we will be forgiven. It's because we have been forgiven that we have the power to forgive others. Make sure you have that in the right order. That's significant. So now, 
let's talk about the process, some of the processes. When we're asking for forgiveness, the first thing we have to do is acknowledge that maybe we've hurt people. Here's, a, here's something that we all need to remember. Our brokenness that we have been working on and identifying, our brokenness always has repercussions for other people. Always. Our brokenness comes out like sin, and there's always someone else involved in that, someone that we love. So we don't, we don't get to just sit in our brokenness as if it isn't affecting anyone else. We talked for a couple of weeks about how a lot of these areas that we've been working on, a lot of our brokenness can be tied to one of a couple of areas, anger, fear, pride. You can't experience or the expression of any of those things without it affecting someone else. If you are angry, if you are sinning in anger, somebody's the target of that, right? So our brokenness always has repercussions for those around us. I want you to get an image in your, in your head for a moment of if, if I had a glass up here and I, and I broke it, it was broken, there would be jagged edges on it, Right? that would likely hurt or be capable of hurting anybody that came close to it. That's how I want you to see our brokenness. These jagged edges of us that have the power to hurt people when they get close to it. I know that some of you have experienced that. I know I have. This isn't surprising to us. We have all heard the phrase, hurt people hurt people. And we've all been hurt by something, and so we need to recognize that we're also capable of hurting others. So if we're asking forgiveness, how do we go about doing that? Well, God has some clear instructions about things that we need to keep in mind when we're asking for forgiveness. First, you need to go to him, always. You need to go to him and ask him to identify the people in your life that you've hurt, whether it's been intentional or unintentional. You're going to have to dig deep for that. I'm not talking about the people that you cut off in traffic on the way here this morning. Go deeper than that. We need to acknowledge how that we've hurt them and how we've hurt them, right? And we need to not accuse or judge them or bring up their failure as if that gives us a right to hurt them back. It doesn't. Don't give any excuses for the wrong that you committed. It'd be easy for me to stand up here and say, you know, hey, Jamie, I'm going to use you again. I'm sorry that I totally cussed you out in the parking lot. I'm tired. I was here yesterday moving the office. So, you know, forgive me. That does, that's just an excuse. Thank you. I appreciate you giving me the forgiveness. That didn't happen, by the way, just in case, despite whatever Jamie might tell you in the lobby. It's the first time I've seen him today. <laughs> so... You can't give some excuse for why you are hurting, going around and, and spraying people with hurt. You need to also sincerely and humbly ask for forgiveness. Again, if you don't do that last step, then it's just an empty, I'm sorry. It doesn't really have any value. So now we're going to switch the sides. <clears throat> we're going to talk about forgiving others. Now, I'm going to confess to you that in some ways, this is a way harder thing for me. Now, if, some, if you are in my life, 
and, I'm, and we're in relationship with each other, and you come to me and you sincerely are asking for my forgiveness, I believe most of the people who know me would tell you I'm, I'm pretty quick to forgive. My struggle, and maybe some of yours, has been when I have needed to forgive someone who either isn't willing or isn't able to come and ask for my forgiveness. God doesn't make a distinction about that. Whether someone asks for your forgiveness or not, we are supposed to forgive. Forgiving others means giving someone what they need rather than what they deserve. That's my truth. That's your truth. Because thank God, truly, that he didn't give us what we deserved, but instead has given us what we've needed, right? That's the way that we need to approach forgiveness with other people. I love this quote from Richard Rohr. It is a self-serving concern to alleviate just your own guilt. It is a loving question to say, how can I free others from theirs? So you can't only be on the side of asking for forgiveness and alleviating your guilt. You have to also be willing to free other people from their burden. How many times are we supposed to do that? 70 times 7. I realize that that is a finite number, if my memory is correct. That's 490. I, this is not about me starting, a, you know, to, to tally those things since I was three years old, and I've already reached 490 times, and so I'm done. I'm good. Thanks. Check that box. That's not what that means. It's, this language is used to just signify that it's important. It's going to take a lot of times. It's going to take a lot of times sometimes with the same person. My husband has forgiven me a lot over 22 years of marriage. I'm glad that he didn't stop at 490 times. (laughs) So I'm going to talk about the harder part for me that I had already confessed to you. That that's when someone in your life has hurt you significantly and they either aren't willing or aren't able to come to you and ask for forgiveness. Have you ever heard the quote, I've heard it attributed to many different people, that holding on to unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and expecting the other person to die. So even if there isn't a person on the other side of the conversation asking for your forgiveness, if you hold on to unforgiveness, that's what it's like. There's no value in it. It serves no purpose. You are the prisoner in that equation. We've all felt that, I I, I would imagine. And again, God doesn't, God doesn't give you a pass just because someone hasn't asked. I want to tell you a, a story. It's from a book that I've been reading. This was a, a speaker at the GLS this year. Her name was Immaculee Ilibigiza. I knew I was going to butcher her name. It's difficult. It's a, an amazing book. I'm reading her book, Left to Tell. If you're not familiar with her story, let me tell you a little bit about her. She and, and she's from Rwanda, and she was in Rwanda when the genocide started in 1994. I want you to remember that year, 1994, and do the math in your head. That wasn't that long ago. Not in terms of the mass genocide that was experienced there. Over a period of 100 days, 1 million members of the Tutsi tribe, of which Immaculee was a part of, were slaughtered. I don't even want to say murdered. They were slaughtered in indescribable ways. 
that she tries to describe in her book. For 91 of those 100 days, she and seven other women, ranging in age from, I believe it was about 10 to mid-50s, eight women in a hidden bathroom in the room of a, of a local pastor who her family knew well. This room was three feet by five feet. Eight women, 91 days. The only person for most of those 91 days that knew she was in there was the pastor. He couldn't even tell his own family for fear that they would, they would slip up and tell someone. And that, that the purpose of this genocide was to rid Rwanda of every member of the Tutsi tribe. 91 days in essentially a cell that is saving her life. And she describes times when she's in this room that is hidden from, from inside the house but has a little pinhole view to the outside. And it's not very thick walls. She has heard the soldiers come into the house and search the house. God protected them and, he, and the, the soldiers. The many times that they came in never found this room. But she was able to hear some of the activity of the people who came in, looking for them. And in one instance, she tells of a local guy that her family knew well. They knew, he knew their family well. He was the leader of the group that were searching the house. And he was calling, he was using her name. He was looking for her specifically because he knew that most of her family had already been slaughtered and that she wasn't with them. So he was looking for her. And this is, listen to, this is what he says. He's calling her name, Immaculate, and he's saying, I have already killed 399 cockroaches, talking about the Tutsi tribe members. She'll be the 400th one, and isn't 400 a good number to kill? And she's listening to this. Not only is she talking about her neighbors and her friends, he's talking about her family, and now he's also talking about her. He wants, he, they, he and they want to exterminate her. And in that moment, in that bathroom, when all of her circumstances would have surely made her feel like just, just righteous in her anger and bitterness. And not, I mean, I, for me, forgiveness would be from the furthest thing from my brain. But God. God, she tells the story of the battle between good and evil that was happening inside of her, and she talks about it in great detail of the constant shift over moments during the chaos of one of the searches of the house and how God is reminding her and reaching out to her and grabbing her and saying, this is the time. Start your journey of forgiveness now. And she does. Now, the story goes on to say that she did get the opportunity to, to see this man that was saying her name outside of the window years later. She, she, did, get, she did get saved. She and the eight women, again, I don't want to, the story, check out her talks on YouTube or, or get the book. It's fantastic. I've already told you a lot about it. But um, she went on to get a job with the, the UN and she went back, she's gone back and forth to Rwanda several times. She's doing some amazing work there. And she got the opportunity to visit a prison where some of these war criminals were being held. And she got the opportunity to see 
in person, this man used her name that was searching for her and saying such ugly and vile things. <clears throat> this man knew who she was and she knew who he was because they knew each other prior to the, to the war starting. This man came in in shackles and he did not ask for her forgiveness, but she forgave him. She didn't do that for him. She did that for herself. It doesn't mean he didn't benefit. She did free him and relieve, release him from some of that anger. But it, that was in that moment, she couldn't, she couldn't fully give him what he wasn't asking for, but she could do that for herself. Her story is a beautiful picture of the power of forgiveness. Now, my story doesn't look like that. I don't think anyone in this room's story looks like that. But we all have experienced incredibly hard things. There have been people in my life who have hurt me significantly, who have not come to me and likely never will and ask for my forgiveness. But God is clear about what he expects me to do in that situation, and that is to forgive them anyway. So we talked about the process of how to ask for forgiveness. Now we're going to talk about what God says about forgiving and how you go about it. Again, you have to start with going to God and asking him to help you release the things that you've been holding on to. Your anger, again, your pride, your hurt, your fear. And then you need to take this next important step. Ask God to see the other person as one of his children. You have to recognize that they are broken, just like you, even if your brokenness is not equivalent. Even if your brokenness is not the same, they are a broken child of God, just like we are. You have to forgive them completely and do not re remember or remind them of their wrongdoings. You have to remind yourself that you are, you have to remind yourself that you are forgiven. And that's the only way you can have the power to forgive someone else is because you understand what that, the value of that is. And you need to forgive on the basis of grace, not the merit of the other person. Again, I would say, thank God that that's how he dealt with us. On the basis of grace and not the merit of me or you or anyone else. And then you have to, the final step is you have to give the forgiveness. You have to free yourself from those chains. Now, I want to, obviously, <clears throat> this is difficult. It's difficult to walk through this. And just like we've talked about with all of these other things, you should walk that in community with other people. You're going to need love and support and encouragement. You're going to need people to hold you accountable to this standard, this act of obedience that God has said we must do. Pastor Eric talked last week about these navigators and these guides. That's a great place to start. As you are walking through your spiritual journey and you are inviting other people into that to help you, confess to them the unforgiveness that you've been holding and ask them to hold you accountable about working through the process that we outlined. 
I'm going to invite the band to come out. So we're going to move into, I want, they're going to play a song that's called From the Inside Out. We haven't done it in a long time, but the verse starts like this. A thousand times I failed you, still your mercy remains. And should I stumble again, I'm caught in your grace. Everlasting, your light will shine when all else fades. A thousand times I failed, still his mercy remains. Thousand times other people are going to fail you too. You have to love them the way God has said to love them. He's told us to do one thing love Him and love His kids, right? That's what we're here for. And a way for you to love people is to release them from things that you are holding them into. You have to forgive. This is the business that God is in. He's transforming our lives so that we can look more like Jesus. It's not easy. He never said that it would be. But the power of forgiveness is huge. I want you to look at these quotes from Immaculate. The power of forgiveness is huge. It is really big and it can save this world. And then read that next part. The more I prayed, the more aware I became that in order to receive God's true blessing, my heart had to be ready to receive his love. But how could he enter my heart when it was holding so much anger and hatred? You have to release the unforgiveness and the hurt from inside of your heart so that there's more room for God. That's what we want. That's the goal. I want to invite you to take this time now as the band plays this song and take a few minutes and, and ask God to show you where is there unforgiveness that you're holding on to or where is it that you have caused pain and you have not asked for your brother or sister to forgive you. After you've prayed, I want to invite you to come up to this board. I'd invite you to write down the initials for your sake that you are identifying who those people are, whether they are people that you need to ask for forgiveness from or people that you need to forgive and write their initials. You don't have to write their full name. It is possible that people in this community are people that you either need to forgive or ask forgiveness from. We live in community and so we have the potential to hurt each other, amen? We don't want to, but it happens. So write the initials on this board and when you come up, I'd invite you also to grab, there's a card over there that shows an image I can't find mine or I would show it to you. <laughs> it says forgive and a slash and an N. It's to remind us of the journey that we're supposed to be on of forgiving others, but also to not forget the first important step, which is that we are forgiven. And that's how we have the power to forgive. So I invite you, like I said, to take just a couple of minutes and prepare your heart to make room for more of him and less of your anger and your hurt and your unforgiveness. When you're ready, come up to the board.